the best way to get a podcast off the ground is to not stop after doing it for a month, but we put some work in and we like where things were heading. Uh, my son was born in the middle of May. Kendall had some family issues. He had some random people staying in his house. So we kind of, kind of had to take a little hiatus. I know we dropped you off right in the middle of the playoffs. We were really stoked. We were doing those playoff preview episodes and it was going really well, but life happens. So, you know, we've missed the draft. The draft happened. Um, we'll get to that at some other point. You know, there's going to be a lot of lulls in the off season where we'll be able to turn out some episodes, analyzing the draft, analyzing individual teams and what they're looking like, you know, vis-a-vis the draft and free agency and, and what they got going on. But, uh, Kendall, what's good, my man? This feels a little foreign. Yeah, hey, buddy. It's good to be back. I guess it's it's better late than never. I suppose. Um, <laughs> you can't, we can't, we can't take this to long of a hiatus and not talk about the trades that happened or a couple days leading up to free agency. Um, full disclosure, Kendall and I are hockey nerds, and for the past 10 years, when July 1st hits, we're like uh, kids in a candy store, and the advent of a smartphone and Twitter's only made that even crazier. I almost get fired from my job every year because I'm probably on camera twiddling my thumbs <laughs> on my phone, just blowing up Kendall's phone, checking what's going on. But a um, couple giant moves, man. Unbelievable. Uh, giant doesn't even begin to describe it. And we're coming in late, you know, like you said, we got into the playoffs and we, we kind of gave our first round preview, I think it was. And it was pretty good. I, I was pretty excited to continue on. But life happens and we weren't able to, to finish it out, like you said. Missed a lot of big things and a lot of this is regurgitated information and you've heard everyone's opinions on this stuff. But we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to anyone that's taken the time to listen to our podcast to to go back and revisit some of these things that happened. Maybe the, the 20th crazy minutes of of hockey that I've witnessed in my lifetime, and we've we've seen a lot of things happen in this league. Yeah, man, crazy as hell. I was at work, and I was just, like, every five minutes I was refreshing my Twitter feed, my hockey list that I have on Twitter, and out of nowhere I see Taylor Hall to the Devils. I was like, really? Taylor Hall to the Devils? What do you give up? And I'm sitting there thinking of, like, you know, packages and picks and prospects and D prospects and what have you. And then it says Adam Larson to the to the Oilers. I'm like, oh man, there's got to be more to that. And sure enough, <laughs> it's, surely it's Oliver Ekman Larson. It's, it's I'm not sure. The Devils, right? I'm sure there's people that saw that. Um, I saw the names individually to team, and I was like, oh Jesus, there's got to be more to this. And uh, absolutely not. The Devils, the Devils, uh, in my opinion, absolutely fleeced the Oilers. By sending him Adam Larson in, in exchange for Taylor Hall. I don't even know where to begin on how awful of a trade that is. And uh, I guess you can slightly justify the trade by saying the Oilers need D. They definitely need D. And it, they're having a really hard time signing free agents, getting people to sign there for term without overpaying by a lot of money. And to Chiarelli's credit, Larson signed through, I think, think 2021 either that or 22 on a very friendly something in the neighborhood of 4 million maybe 4.1 and yeah it's it's a uh, 4.2 through 2021 okay yeah so that's that's a that's a decent amount of time yeah and so he he made he made a bad overpayment but he was able to bring in a guy who's very solid and even based on his performance last year you could argue he's a he's a he's a pretty decent number two um and he can't go anywhere because nobody wants to play in Edmonton, man. I mean, maybe with the uh, new rink being built and the fact that McDavid, Lucic come in there, um, maybe that will change. But a lot of people just don't like to play in Western Canada if it's not going well. If the, if the Oilers were winning, people would sign there. But she really had to make a move to get someone under term, friendly term, and, and cap it. And he did. But having said all that, it's still a shit-ass trade. <laughs> yeah. There's some justification there 
given the fact that that Larson is you know 23 years old, uh, his I I guess his ceiling could be a number one defenseman, but the sample size is big enough to suggest that he's not going to be. You know, he's he's like you said, he's he's probably a number two top pairing defenseman. That's all well and good. I, I like that. But when you're dealing away a, a superstar for a player that might be, you know, a, a, a number one defenseman, then the the trade doesn't doesn't make sense, you know. And, and that's, I think that's generally, you know, what everybody is saying. We're just kind of echoing the the thoughts and, and aggravations from from others. Obviously, not New Jersey fans, but you know, the the thing is, though, you know, you talk about it's difficult getting players to sign in Edmonton. <clears throat> well, we got to credit Ray Shiro still for the fact that he signed Larson to this deal. I mean, that's, that's a great long-term <clears throat> deal at 4.2 million. And, you know, New Jersey played him like a top pairing defenseman. He played all the difficult minutes up there with, with uh, Andy green. Uh, and he got him locked up long-term at a really friendly number. Oh yeah, a, a first pairing defenseman at four point two well. is nothing. No, that's nothing. I mean, if Larson hits and plays to his full potential and plays to what he was drafted for, I remember when he came into the league, he was supposed to be that number one guy for you know whatever team he played for, and to get him locked up at four point two on that term, it's, it's a great deal by Shiro, and he knew he'd be able to move it. It's an easy contract to move. A very tradable contract. Yeah, full marks to to Ray Shiro and and that staff for for getting the deal done. But Hall for Larson, I know the one for one was the theme of the day. We'll get to the probably the the more egregious move next. But Hall for Larson, I mean Hall scored sixty five points last season, whereas Adam Larson has scored sixty nine points. I'm sorry, Hall scored sixty five points last season, whereas Larson has scored sixty nine in his career. So, <laughs> well, not only that, but if you if you look like since Hall was drafted, or since Hall made his debut, and you look at uh, the points by left wingers since then, he's a top three left winger in the NHL. And a lot of people think of him as just a fast skating sniper, someone who scores a lot. But he actually has quite a lot of assists. Like he 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 makes stuff happen off the boards and off the wing. He's a big bull of a kid, man. He's a big kid. Like he, mm-hmm. he's like. I don't want to compare him to Ovechkin because they play a little play a little different. I mean, they both play with a lot of aggression. Uh, Ovechkin's a little more methodical. Hall is kind of balls to the wall, flying into the boards. You know what I mean? Like he's a little more reckless. But he's in that mold, and he's in the, he's in that conversation. He's not potting fifty a year, but if you're talking about the best left wingers in the game, I mean, Hall's. 0.75 steps back from Ovechkin, stats-wise, history-wise, everything. Like, you take everything into account, and he's right there. And Yeah, an untrained eye can get on CorsicaHockey.com and take a look. And all situations, points per 60, Hall ranks just behind Ovechkin, Thornton, Tarasenko, Getzlaff, and Stamkos. And ahead of Corey Perry, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and, and uh, Nikita Kucherov. So... Right there, Hall is an elite level player. The left, only better left five winger. on five left winger, yeah. The only better five on five points per sixty player than Hall uh, are Crosby and Ben. So the the fact of the matter is, is Hall much like Subban, which we'll get into in a bit, was more or less looked at as the reason that Edmonton couldn't make that next step. He was. He was the guy that scored 328 points in 381 games that they chose to relieve and chose to, to to get rid of in the system. I mean, I don't know, man. It just doesn't make any sense. No, if you're getting if you're getting enough return back, then fine. But they just didn't. Well, the, what a lot of people are saying is you have to look at it as, you know. You got rid of Hall, but you're getting back uh, Lucic and uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. It's like, no, that wasn't the trade. I mean, I get, like I said, there is a justification to why Chiarelli made the deal. But the trade isn't for Lucic. The, the trade isn't f- for Pugliarvi, which I know we said we wouldn't get into the draft. 
But the Oilers had a golden opportunity to make some great moves, seeing as Pugliarvi slipped to their hands at, at number four when he rightfully should have went number three, and Columbus chose uh, Dubois. I had no, no idea why. And they had, right there, they set themselves up with an opportunity to make useful trades with those extra forwards and to just blow it for Adam Larson. Uh, it's it's not it's not the right move and ho- and hopefully hopefully we're wrong man nobody wants to see a team or a franchise tank and you know go south so hopefully Adam Larson does develop into a, a two plus or one or one a one b type defenseman hopefully but uh, you don't know um, I'm gonna let you uh, segue into in, into the into the most egregious thing that we've ever seen in hockey. How about that? <laughs> well, wait. Let me just ask you though, man. What would you, what would you have given up for Larson? Like, do, if you're Edmonton and you want Larson, and I, I can understand why you would. You know, Nugent Hopkins. R and H straight up. It, it, because because the thing is, they have a plethora of centers, not wingers. They need wingers. Like, dude, Lucic is a left winger. If you would have had Lucic in. If you would have Lucic and Lucic and Hall, and I think Benoit Pouliot's a left winger. If that was your, if that was down your lineup as your left wingers, that's great. Like you need wingers, and you have a plethora of centers. You know that's that's the hard part. It's easier to get rid of Nugent Hopkins because a his contract kind of sucks. He the, the stupid thing is like he Eberle and Hall they pretty much all have the same contract, right? Right, they yeah. all signed it around the same time. It's all around the six million ballpark. And but Nugent Hopkins is always hurt. He's a great player, but he's always hurt. And that way, it's it, it, he is de- he's devalued as an asset because he's not healthy all the time, and he's probably getting a little too much money per production because his production is not as great because of his injuries. So you can a lot of people can sit there and say like, oh no, Nugent Hopkins is worth more than that. I don't think so. Adam Larson's a number two with a number one ceiling defenseman. I think straight up R and H for Adam Larson, way more palatable deal to me. Maybe you can say that it's still lopsided, but not nearly as lopsided. And all the analytics and all that shit will back back it all up. I mean, come on. Yeah. <clears throat> well, then then I wonder, you know, what if a deal is going to take place between. Chiarelli, the guy that traded, you know, Kessel and, and Sagan away. <laughs> Taylor Hall and Sagan from the same draft, number one and number two, for shitty deals, uh-huh. respectively. <clears throat> so if you're Chiarelli and a deal has to get done with the New Jersey Devils, what would you have asked for Taylor Hall specifically from New Jersey? Because when I look down that roster, it's Larson and, like, Larson and Zaka and a second like no not Zaka. I don't even I don't even I don't even look down that roster and and see enough horses in in the stable to actually get proper return no the, it, it doesn't exist and the only way it does exist is uh, some of those young defensemen that that New Jersey has but New Jersey's not going to trade a third of their D depth for Taylor Hall. So right. we don't know that. Chiarelli could have asked for uh, could have asked for John Merrill. Could have asked for Severson. And Severson's is a buy low guy right now because he actually got scratched a lot of games last year, which is weird because the year before everybody everybody was talking about Damon Severson. Um, and he could have asked for that. But if you're giving away your best defenseman, well, sorry, not your best defenseman because there's a lot of people that would argue that Andy Green carried Larson a bit last year and. That might be true, but he's still. Al Larson has improved greatly uh, from three years ago to today. Um, they don't. They don't. They they don't have. They don't have the guys on defense to make that trade happen. Like if I'm Edmonton, I would have asked for Larson and probably Severson or Merrill. And there's no way that Ray Shiro was doing that. And they, they yeah. like you said, and they, it, they don't have anybody up front to throw on that deal. Yeah, it's hard to compare because it's it's a little apples to oranges. You know, I mean Larson. Larson's been playing real solid, real tough defensive minutes with with Green. They're tasked with shutting down the best of them. And you look across the league, they're they're playing the Dowdy minutes and they're playing the Carlson minutes, and you know they're they're carrying the workload. But it's hard to it's hard to look at the all the numbers and tell exactly what Larson's going to do at Edmonton. You know you can't really take 
his numbers and plug them into Edmonton and say it's going to be the same. You know, it could be it could be ten times better. It could could be ten times worse. Um, but what New Jersey didn't have is any kind of a quality, or at least a set of quality two way forwards that could help him transition the puck out of his zone. And what also boosts his his save percentage numbers too is the fact that he he might have the league's best goalie behind him in Corey Schneider. So, you know, it's 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 a completely different situation. Edmonton actually has some forwards that he can work with. They they don't necessarily have, you know, the quality defensive pairing guys like like an Andy Green. <clears throat> in my opinion, you know, if you could have gotten uh, Andy Green and Adam Larson back for Taylor Hall, great because Edmonton needs defense. But they're certainly not going to have Corey Schneider, so it's it's going to be tough to really judge how Larson's going to do. Uh, but I, I think we can agree, and I think most people agree, New Jersey won the trade. <laughs> but let me ask you this, man: Would you have traded PK Subban for Taylor Hall, one for one, straight up? Because that that in itself is going to segue pretty nicely into our next topic: <laughs> the fact that that's Montreal di- Canadiens royally f things up. Uh-huh. That's that's a discussion. It's a discussion. I start the discussion with that, but I'm not sure that I, if I'm Montreal, I'm not sure that Taylor Hall does it for me. No, for, no, for no, 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 no. But the elite performance of both said players, it's a conversation, and it can start with that. Like that would like if if you saw like a bigger deal that was frameworked around Hall for Subban, that would make sense to to a degree. You'd have to, you know, Edmonton would have to pony up more, or it'd be a, a bigger package where both teams have multiple pieces in the mix. But mm-hmm. to have both of them center, like center pieces of the deal, it would make sense. But it's a bad deal, and I know that we're we got a lot to talk about, and we're not we don't got a lot of time. But what I did want to say about that last deal, which I just fucked up your segue. Sorry, um, that's okay, man. Is what would have been good for the Oilers to get back in that deal to make it worth it is if they would have gotten a serviceable left winger back. But like alludes to what you said is they don't have anybody up front to do that. You know what I mean? Like no. the, the Devils, the Devils don't have a left winger to give them. Like if they would have got a second line left winger back in return to replace Hall, that okay, included with Larson, that's more of a, a conversation. But they didn't. So, like you said, the lack of depth, is it just made that deal. It's like, well, either you fucking take the deal or it doesn't happen, and she really did it. But either way, we're talking about P.K. Subban, and uh, interesting, interestingly enough, there was a lot of chatter that uh, Mark Bergevin was fielding calls on Subban, and he explicitly said, I'm not shopping P.K., I'm just taking calls. That's all that's happening. And then as since since all this news has come out, it's also been said that uh, Mr. Molson, the owner of the Canadians, uh, because you can't be, I don't know what it is, like you can't be given a no move thing until you hit unrestricted free agency or something like that. I don't some type of thing like that where PK couldn't be given uh, trade protection right away at the top end of his deal. And uh, Mr. Molson promised him that he would not be going anywhere. And they promptly traded him for Shea Weber of the Predators. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't put much stock into everything that was said on both parties because it, it's been talked about and it's been too apparent for too long, for the last couple of years at least, that there's a disconnect there. And everybody has been talking about P.K. Subban moving out. So I'm sure he's fully prepared uh, to, to have been traded. And if anyone was surprised that he actually was, I don't think that they should have been. The surprising part about all of this is is what the return was. You know, one for one, P.K. Subban. I mean, honestly, can you think of a fair return for P.K. Subban? Like one for one. Are there any players in the league, or what players in the league would you accept a one-for-one deal? You know, for for PK Subban, my, I might have a list, but it's really, really short, and it it doesn't contain Shea Weber. No, no, it doesn't. No, I know this is going to go the other way, and I know it, it's not what you're looking for. 
what if that same what if the same two teams would have made a one for one deal and it was Roman Yossi? Well, <clears throat> that's that's a different story, and there, and I think that makes there, it. There's more upside in that deal. There's a, yeah, there's a lot more upside than than Shea Weber. And look, guys, don't get us wrong. Like Adam Larson, Shea Weber, excellent defensemen. If if I had seen on my Twitter feed that. Shea Weber had landed in Montreal. Oh, wow. You know, that's great. Great for them. You know, he's a, he's a solid defenseman. He's experienced. He's an elite power play guy. I mean, I, you, you'd love to have Shea Weber on your team. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the fact that they, they let go of one of the league's very best, maybe the best defenseman in the NHL for Shea Weber. That's what, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Roman Yossi, I would start to to feel a lot more comfortable in that conversation because Roman Yossi does bring a lot now and in the future to your organization. If you're talking about Shea Weber as a 24-year-old, fine. You know, or as a 27-year-old like P.K. Subban is, fine. You know, I have a little bit of time for that, but not in this situation. I can't can't even... There's so much to say about it, but then when we start talking about it, I just like kind of hang my head and I just like start to I feel it. <laughs> I, I have nothing to do with any of it, and I just start to feel ashamed, and I can't I can't even bring the words out, even though they're there. I just feel ashamed. Yeah. It's just so brutal. It's so well, brutal. Well, the thing is, it, the thing <sighs> is, all right. Look, if you're gonna move Sagan, or I'm sorry, if you're gonna move, and there's a guy that I might go one for one on on Subban with, but if you're gonna move Subban, then you have to get multiple pieces back pieces that help now and pieces that help in the future and if you're not going to do that then you have to make significant gains in the cap and Bergevin didn't even make significant gains in the cap none of that in fact they're going to have to they're going to have to pay out Shea Weber the moment uh well I guess the moment July 1st hit they had to pay him out um but it's it's been all too obvious that they'd move him. And with Weber being a fine defenseman aside, they didn't receive equal return in the end. And what it boils down to is Bergevin and company like white people needed to <laughs> needed to Sorry. in their minds get that personality out of the organization, out of the locker room, out of the city, and that in itself was the driving force for moving P.K. Subban. The, the same personality that donated $10 million to a children's hospital in Montreal. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously there's a disconnect. You know, P.K. gets blamed um, for the fact that Carey Price goes down for the season and, and Montreal just completely compli- uh, collapses as an organization. P.K.'s the scapegoat. He's always going to be because he, he draws all the attention to himself. He's a different kind of guy. And he doesn't mesh with everyone. I understand that. But at the end of the day, if you're doing what's best for your organization as a manager, you've got a guy that, that maybe maybe encompasses some, some controversy, some disconnects between players. If you can't get the return for P.K. Subban that you need, then you move the other guys, the guys that have a problem with him. You move them. Not PK Subban. Well, you can't move yourself because I don't even think it was the players in my. Because I've heard all the other podcasts, a lot of people have made that point. I think it was just the coaching and management that had a problem with him. It was Tarion. It's Bergevin. They're going to move themselves. Well, there's been a lot of talk that there were problems, you know, inside the the locker room. We, we've heard the you know the Thomas Placanitz disconnects. But look, man, that's all off the ice. And last time I checked, Stanley Cups aren't won off the ice. And I've got I've got time to listen for you know yes character counts yes the the team bonding counts like I, I understand that you know we'll get into it later but you look at signings like Steve Ott like you look at character guys entering organizations and making a positive impact in the locker room look if PK wasn't that then fine I understand moving him but if you're gonna move him you gotta get the right return and if you can't then you just don't do it. Because you're never going to win a cup by everyone palling around off the ice. It's done on the ice, and PK was the best player on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens. Other other than Carey Price is the best player on that team. Yeah, Hands goalies down. are so fickle. The hardest thing in the league to get is that 
that elite level number one defenseman, and that's what PK is. And I realize Carey Price is is an elite level goaltender, but goalies are so fickle. We see goalies hit the top and then immediately hit the bottom. You look at guys like Bobrovsky and Tuka Rask and Semyon Varlamov. You look in just the last handful of years how quickly they can fall. You know, a simple injury, just a bad season. It's so difficult to 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 structure your franchise around a goaltender. If you're this, if there's anyone on that team that I'm going to build my team around, it's PK Subban. But this deal PK's just recently turned 27 years old, locked up till 2022. Weber's about to be 31 and it's pretty well documented that he's on the decline. So Nashville gets Subban between the ages of 27 and 31. Montreal gets Weber between the ages of 31 and 40. That's a big, big, big difference. I'm still shaking my head. I don't like talk. I don't like talking about <laughs> yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like, I mean, let's think about what they get because you know Subban moves the needle offensively, uh, whereas. Weber has largely benefited from the likes of Ryan Suter and Roman Yossi in recent years, right? So my my biggest thing is, like, I understand the move in the sense that they get the guy out that they feel is a problem in, in terms of his, his off-ice presence. He's not a And then they get a guy, well, that's, you know, I'm not in that locker room. I, I, can't, I can't say, but I'm just looking at the situation because we know it wasn't just a, a deal based on skill. We know it wasn't a deal based on on ice the on ice product because we have the access to all these advanced you know analytics and, and metrics to see for sure that PK Subban is a better defenseman than than Shea Weber is. So you got to figure it's something off the ice, right? So they bring in Shea Weber, who's not going to cause a problem. I mean, Greg Wyshynski put it pretty eloquently when he said that you know the man's devoid of personality he's not going to go in there and stir up any shit Shea Weber is going to go there and be himself and do his thing which is fine he's an elite level power play quarterback that's what he is he can score goals because he's got a cannon of a shot long time captain he knows how to play the game he knows how to read the game but five on five Shea Weber these days is more or less a top four defenseman. I mean, you can put him on most teams' top pairing, but PK is undoubtedly anywhere he goes an elite level number one defenseman. You put him on any team in the league, put him next to Dowdy, put him next to Carlson, I don't care. He's the guy. He, he, he touched the puck. He played the puck 600 more times last season than Shea Weber. 600 more times. You don't think he's driving the play? He's generating shot. It's got uh, more shot generation, more shot suppression. I mean, he's doing everything for that Montreal Canadiens. The the argument against that is the guys that Weber's played with are more puck possession guys, and maybe that hurts his stats in that regard a little bit. You mm. know, like Yossi. Yossi handles the rock a lot. Ryan Suter handles the rock a lot. You know, and Weber's just the shutdown guy. It's still a shitty trade. I'm not, you know, I guess I guess what I'm saying doesn't even matter because it's a shitty trade. Shitty trade. But I don't, you know, people are trying to cast him in a bad light for his possession numbers, but I think some of that might have to do with who he was playing with. It's more than possession, though. I mean, on, on every advanced metric, he's behind P.K. Subban, on every every one of them. Well, yeah, and the thing absolutely. Is, the thing is, though, what's he going to do? You know, he's been playing with guys like Ryan Suter and, and Roman Yossi, which... PK next to Yossi is just going to be nasty. Like, thank God. Like, <laughs> I mean, I feel real bad for, for Canadians fans in that sense. But for Preds fans, I'm pretty excited to see those two pair up. Because Laviolette's going to let him roll. He's going to let – I mean, Nashville knows how to integrate, you know, the, the offensive side of the blue line just as good or better than anyone else in the league. We've seen it for years. And so now they've got Subban moving back there with Roman Yossi. It's it's going to be quite ridiculous because Yossi can play a real, real solid defensive game as well. And so, dude, <clears throat> small markets like that they need they need a big superstar, and he is gonna he's gonna do so well in Nashville. 
I, I, I really not not just the play. Like those fans are gonna love him. Those fans are gonna fall in love with him, and they already know him. He was there for the All Star game. You know what I mean? He he. They know who he is. They're the, Nashville's a very good fan base. Like they, I'm very impressed with what they've done over the past what like four years. Man, that fan base has gotten so so crazy, and the All Star game proved it. And they sell out all the time. Like they are not struggling. But then right next door is uh, Carolina Hurricanes, and they are a shit patty and pk suban and like you said weber weber is not outspoken he doesn't say a whole lot like pk is they're gonna love him there it's 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 awesome for nashville and uh transitioning into some of the free agency stuff it's really awesome they signed uh philip forsberg to a six million dollar year contract it's for six years but he's young (laughs) but to get that hell of a deal to get that kid for under six or under for that for that period of time it's great but um Keeping on that day, which we probably need to uh, speed ourselves up here a bit, uh, Stamkos fucked the whole thing up on free agency and stayed with Tampa. In my opinion, that was the right move the whole time. As a Red Wings fan, we thought we had a shot, and I would have loved to have had Stamkos in Detroit as an ultimate FU to Steve Eiserman. But hockey-wise, I mean, Tampa Bay's been in it for the past few years, like, cup contenders and this past season he wasn't even playing most of the playoffs oh pretty much all of it (laughs) except for one game and it was the right move you know and they set their internal cap by signing him to 8.5 a year promptly signing victor hedman right thereafter for a little bit less than he made and now when they have to re-sign guys like kucherov which they still do kucherov johnson palat they know their place. If they want to stick around in that organization, they're not going to make more than Stamkos, and that way they're going to set their salary cap up correctly. And they're probably going to move Bishop, or Bishop's going to be taken in the expansion draft because they extended Vasilevsky and they extended Gudlevskis. So um, Steve Eisman's got that rolling right, and I think Steven Stamkos made the absolute right choice to stay there. No-brainer. Yeah, Stamkos, he just kind of drove the, the knife into the heart of Canadians a little bit harder after they lost Hall and Subban, which, you know, I mean, <laughs> Stamkos was supposed to go to Toronto all year, and, and now he doesn't. So, you know, I mean, no no Canadian teams make the playoffs last year. Uh, arguably, none of them got better <laughs> over the last couple of days. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's disappointing for a lot of teams that were hopeful to land him. I know Murray and, and Buffalo really thought he could get it done. But, yeah, I mean... Eight and a half per over eight. Nobody else really had the opportunity to sign him to eight. Uh, the, the tax laws here in Florida, which you know I'm a big fan of being a Floridian myself, uh, allowed Stamkos to take a little bit less. And I mean it. That number comparatively to seven years in, in another organization, it works out to be the same and more in many cases. So he wins. Tampa wins. Uh, yeah. It makes complete sense. It did surprise me though, because oh yeah, you don't usually see a guy go that long and actually stick with the franchise. But dude, props to Steve Eiserman, like really. And look, I know we're Wings fans and everything, but I'm really not the biggest Steve Eiserman fan on on a personal level. Like I've never met the guy, I've never talked to the guy, but there's just a lot of you know, he's kind of a quirky dude. Um, but he knows apparently how to run a franchise. And, I mean, he, he handled the Drew Ann situation. He handled the, the Stamkos situation. He didn't run away from either one of them. They're both going to be lightning players next year unless unless there's a sign-in trade in the works that we're unaware of, which does make sense. But Stamkos in my opinion, has a no move. It can't happen unless well, he says it. Unless he says it, right. Unless it's he says not, it, and it's I get not that. Gonna, he even announced on Twitter, "I'm great to be back," and all of his teammates posted on Twitter. It's not happening. I don't even want. I don't even think we should mention that. That ain't even gonna happen. Well, it's it's not happening for the first half of that contract. Let me put it that way. Well, then because, it wouldn't be a sign and trade. <laughs> a sign. Well, and yeah, trade no, you're is right. You sign and you're then right. you trade him. Like it's that's not happening. Like he's he could get dealt well, later on in the contract, especially if some of those health issues. Uh, well, and that's back up. that's the the third benefiting factor here is the fact that. It's an $8.5 million cap hit opposed to an $11 million cap hit elsewhere that all of a sudden becomes a little bit easier to move if that needs to happen. 
either A, he gets his cup, or B, the plan doesn't work out, you know? But all things are pointing to a Stanley Cup run, another one, with this team. You see Hedman sign, you see Vasilevsky sign. They really got to get Kucherov signed. Like, that guy... Well, that guy might be the most skilled player on the team. Like Stamkos is certainly the best pure goal scorer on the team. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, but, but because Kucherov be, is ridiculous. Because of what you said about Eiserman, Eiserman stood his ground, and because he did, Kucherov's agent, whoever the hell he is, bless his soul, he knows he ain't getting more than Hedman or or Stamkos. Yeah. That's not happening. It you've got your no. you got your franchise your franchise center and your franchise defenseman locked up. I don't care how good Kucherov is. You're not getting that. You're not getting that money. You might come close, but you're not getting it. So you're not you're not going past that number. And his agent just knows. It's like either you take it or you don't. We'll go to arbitration and see what happens. But you're not getting I more think, than them. I think you know. I mean, honestly, we just mentioned Philip Forsberg. I think his deal kind of set the market for around about what Kucherov. Should be looking to get Kucherov is more of a pure goal, goal scorer than Forsberg, and goal goal scoring with the way the league's going and everybody talking about rules and you know changing goalie pads and all that bullshit. Kucherov is more of a pure player than Forsberg. Forsberg's a very heady player, very good playmaker. Uh, they're different players. Kucherov's a guy you probably pay a little <laughs> bit more money to, not a lot. And I'm not saying your point's not valid because it is. I think it, I think it does help set that bar. But I think Kucherov's going to get more. I just do because he 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 showed in the playoffs, man. He's a beast. He is a beast. And I kind of had Forsberg doesn't play it. that aggressive. You know, he Kucherov's just nasty. Yeah, I kind of had him pegged at about six point five by six, somewhere somewhere in that region, or you know, six and a half by five. Don't be surprised if it's seven or a little under. If it's like six point seven five, six point eight, that's where I have it. That in my head, that it's going to be like a sliver south of seven. Term is real important here because you know, Kalorn and Nemesnikov still need contracts now, uh, but next season it's Palat, Johnson, and Drew coming up. So you you can't have to deal with, you know, a a, a short term bridge type deal with Kucherov. You need to get that locked up as a part of the core because, you know, they're going to be without Ben Bishop like you like you mentioned in some capacity. Which, you know, they they need they need to get returned for Ben Bishop. They can't they can't let a guy of that caliber go to to Las Vegas for nothing. The only way that's worth it is if Tampa Bay walks out with a cup. You know, but but none of that is guaranteed as we've seen for them, because they've been fully capable over the last couple of years, fully capable, even without Stamkos. And, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why he said, okay, you know, let's get this done here. But, you know, Palat Johnson and, and Druin, it's, it's not going to be easy to manage that when you've got some other bi- bad contracts on the books. And I'd, I'd almost be willing to let go of, you know, a young skill guy like a Nemesnikov or a Palat if it meant that somebody else would take a bad contract, you know, like a, like a Ryan Callahan or a Braden Coburn, like something that's just kind of weighing them down. They need to pay their skill guys. And I mean, look at Chicago. You mean like the Teravinen deal? Yeah. Like the Teravinen deal. Sometimes you have to, I mean, you have to, you have to build your team to win. And, you know, Stamkos is there. Hedman is there. You've got your, you know, your elite level goal scorer and your elite level number one defenseman. So, you know, you need to bring it all together somehow. Yeah. But I'm happy. I'm happy. I mean, I was a little disappointed because you like to see you like to see change. You know, when when the whole Kovalchuk thing happened and he was a free agent, that was a big deal. That was pretty exciting. You know, so there was a part of me that wanted to see him in a new sweater and, and you know a new environment, new fan base. But Tampa's just too good. It's too good. He can't walk away from this right now. He's got a chance to legitimately win a Stanley Cup. I'm glad. I'm glad that he stayed. So July 1st is hit, and like we said, you know we're going to get into each team and what they've done. So we're not going to sit here and give you a rundown. You all know who's been signed, what's happened for the most part. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you might you must like hockey at that high a level like we do. So not going to treat you with the kid gloves. Um, what we want to do, because we got limited time here, is we want to just uh, 
talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. So, Kendall, you tell me, and you're probably going to steal the fucking thing I was going to talk about, but give me one thing that you really liked uh, on uh, First Day of Free Agent Frenzy. Ooh. Just one? <laughs> no, just no. We can go back and forth here. We can go back and forth. Just, just give me, give me something that you that you really, really liked. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I like Hamhoos to Dallas. Uh, Three point seven five by two. Yeah. Dallas Ridiculous. needs a solid defenseman. It's a little curious to me that another team wasn't willing to give him more. But look, Dallas, Dallas was rumored to be landing Hamhoos at the deadline, and. You know, they they went out and overpaid for Chris Russell. And, you know, if they had gotten Chris Russell and Dan Hamhoos, then I think Dallas would have been a more solid team through that first round. Uh, not having Sagan didn't help. It's a little weird that it didn't happen then and Vancouver didn't, you know, reap any benefits. If Hamhoos wanted to be in Dallas, I mean, maybe it was a personal thing, needed to take some time. But, you know, holy shit, man. I mean, what team, what team that could pay Hamhoos under $4 million – for two years wouldn't have gone out and gotten him. So it's a huge plus for the Dallas Stars who are devoid of defense. Um, I feel a little bad for him that he's one of the very few guys that knows how to play the position in Dallas, and he doesn't have a good goalie behind him. But I like that. Yeah, I I agree with you on that one. Um, I, I <laughs> Chris Russell's about to make more money than he does, and I, I, don't, I don't get how someone didn't pay him more. Maybe he just wants to play for Dallas. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah. What about you? You got a you got a favorite or two? I don't want to get way too involved here because you know where I'm going. It's not even just the signings. I'm I'm a big fan of what the Florida Panthers are doing. Yes, giant fan. Uh, what I was going to say, tying it in, because the Florida Panthers signed Jason Demers, which is great for the Panthers. But I would argue that Hughes is a better defender than Jason Demers, and so you swapped out Demers on Dallas for Hughes at a lower cap hit. And that's good for Dallas because they're got their money appropriated in other areas. But, um, the, the Florida Panthers, they, uh, they, they, uh, prior to the deadline, they signed for, they uh, traded for Keith Yandel's rights. They got him at kind of a, a bad contract. I think it's going to be a bad contract. Seven year deal, mm-hmm. 6.35 a year. You know that, you know, the second half of that deal is going to be awful, but yeah, but the first half should yield like a 50 point defenseman. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And if you're for Florida, you can live with that because they actually, they, they had a uh, Mark Savard's cap hit on their books and they traded it to New Jersey. So they've got the cap space. It's totally fine. And they got James Reimer. Of all the teams that I thought could use James Reimer, I can't believe it was Florida. And I know they traded for Red O'Bara, too, which is kind of weird, but I, I like it. It's 3.4 a year for five years. That's awesome for James Reimer because I thought someone was going to give him like four or something on like a three-year deal. I thought that was going to happen from like the Flames or something. Um, yeah. A place where he had a chance to start. But he does have a chance to start because Luongo's 37. He's been having hip issues. You know, and he just had surgery, and who knows if he'll be ready by the start of the season, and that could be a problem going forward. And if Luongo has to play less, I mean, dude, Montoya is is a decent goalie, but James Reimer, like with that team in the playoffs, if Luongo goes down and you got Reimer back there, that's that's ridiculous. And I I think my favorite thing they did was their they not only did they improve up top by. Uh, Extending Trocheck and Smith. Smith got extended uh, by five years for five five mil a year. He's shown a lot of promise. That could be a bad contract, but he's still young enough to where that should be fine for them. And Vincent Trocheck, who down the stretch was arguably their best player, and yeah, he, Trocheck down the stretch and Smith in the playoffs. Yeah, and and he get, he gets a six year deal with a uh, four under five, like four point seven five. That's ridiculous. But steal I, of a deal. Steal, steal of a deal. deal. And they got and the thing is they got Barkov on a nasty steal. They do. Yeah, and my other thing I like that they did is they uh, UFA, uh they got some nice depth. Colton Sevior has been a good player for Dallas, good depth player for Dallas. They got him yeah. they got him they got him for a shade under a mil a year on a 2-year deal. And then Tampa Bay is just loaded and Jonathan Marcheseau has been talked about in that organization. They got him for 7-5. 
uh, on a two-year deal, like per year, and that's great. They they kept their guys on steal of deals. They improved their goaltending, way improved their defense, and then improved depth wise. You, I, they had the, they've had the best draft in off season by far. I, I I can't I can't even compare that to anybody else. Yeah, the Panthers, uh, they're not messing around, and you know they're building right. Uh, I think it's that new one ownership. of the very few guys that that comes up. In, in term is Jaromir Jagr. So the only big one is going to be Huberto. It's the only it's the only big one that they need to they need to look out for. And that's, that's fine though. The, the the fact they've gotten a deal on everybody else, including Reimer, like they've gotten a deal on everybody else. Demers excluded. Everybody else has been signed to a deal. Yeah. Like they should be able to figure that out with Huberto. Yeah, and I think they will. I mean, Yager's about a four million dollar cap hit. Uh, Huberto is making three and a quarter at the moment, so who knows what Yager is going to do? You know, forty four years old. I mean, he may stick around another year. He may not. So if that four million can be allocated to a guy like Huberto that's going to be around for a long time, then great. Then he's paid for and he's he's good to go. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And actually, it, it kind of it kind of lines up nicely with another. Uh, deal that I liked on on deadline day or not on deadline day but on July 1st was uh, Brian Campbell you know when we're talking about defensemen namely but we're talking about the Florida Panthers and we're talking about guys that I mean that was a huge cap relief losing Campbell's uh massive contract that was paid for they offered him almost five to stay for one year yeah and it would have been great if he did because I like what the Panthers are doing and Campbell's a real heady guy. He's an excellent, excellent defenseman. You're not going to see it in, in the way of big points anymore, but that's not his game. He just plays a cerebral game, and he makes everyone better around him. He takes a hometown discount and goes back to Chicago for 1.5 for a single year. I mean, you couldn't ask for more as a Blackhawks fan, and that defensive core really needs the help. Like, they really, really do. So he'll slide in and play some big minutes next to uh, – I mean, whoever, really, you know, whether it be Jarlson or Seabrook or, or Keith, he'll come in and, and, and do them well. And I love the fact that he did it because he – I'm sure a part of him feels like he owes it to that franchise, you know, for having given him all that money. It was actually two mil a year. Was it two mil? A general manager is, is showing me 1.5, but it's, it's there's two. so much going on. It's so much going on. It wouldn't surprise me. If no, it was it, off. it's it's too. Either way, he took a giant haircut to go back to Chicago. He took Ooh, almost he took yeah. almost he took almost three million less than what Florida offered him. So, yeah, yeah, I like to see that. I really do. It, I mean, you name the team, any team could have fared much better by having Brian Campbell come and, and serve a year or two. Uh, I had picked Toronto. I'm not sure if we ever talked about that on a podcast, but I really liked the odds of of Campbell going back to going into Toronto and, and, you know, lining up next to a guy like Morgan Riley or Jake Gardner and helping them along and develop. Nah, he's trying to, he's trying to win. No, no way he does that. He doesn't have a whole lot of time left. No, he's trying to win exactly why it took two mil to go back to Chicago. Cause he knew that he'd be a big piece. He knew you'd help. And he, he's good there. Um, Two quick things I like, and then we'll get into dislikes, and we got to roll up on out of here. But um, I liked Phoenix trading for Goligoski's right, rights, signing him to a deal, helped that defense out, and then they picked up a guy like Jamie McGinn. Good for them. I like I liked that. And then I also like the Ocposo deal in Buffalo. It's a lot of money, a lot of term, whatever, man. And I know you and I have had private conversations. You're not sold, and we don't need to get into all that. I know you're not sold. But if they're able to able to get Jimmy Vesey to, to stick around, that top six is going to be disgusting. Um, they traded for Kulikov. Um, they traded for Anders Nielsen and Nett. Way big, way big upgrade on Chad Johnson. I think the the Sabers. I mean, Tim Tim Murray's shrewd. He's they're they're trending in the in the right direction, and I I, I liked that. I like what I like what they did, and I like what the Coyotes did. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I like Kyle Ocposo. I think he's a good player, no doubt. And last season, actually, Ocposo proved to me that you know 
it's not purely Jonathan Tavares lifting him up. You know, because, I mean, look, man, look at Matt Molson, who's in Buffalo, who went to Buffalo, fully expected to deliver some points, you know, uh, having played with Tavares all those years and, and done so well. And he goes to Buffalo, and it doesn't work at all. I mean, where's Matt Molson now? You know, I mean, he's he's playing, but he's <laughs> he's not a, a player that they would like to have on the books any longer. I guarantee that. You know, unless it was just Ocposo that was that was lifting him up all these years, and then they reconnect, which would be great. But um, I'm not sure we're going to get the same production out of him. But look, man, Buffalo's doing things right, and they've got a bright future. They have a lot of young kids. The top six, you know, whether or not Ocposo takes off is still real solid. Um, everything's good in Buffalo, you know, so – I'm I'm happy that he signed there. I like the direction that they're going in. I, actually, that's one of the teams that I wouldn't have minded seeing Stamkos go to because I like what they're doing. Um, and the Coyotes, too. I mean, in the offseason, I know you mentioned it, but in the offseason we're going to kind of go team by team and really dig into these organizations in terms of what they've done in the offseason, what they're going to do down the road, maybe some prospects they have coming along. But, yeah, Cheka there in Arizona he he's doing it right he's building from the blue line out he drafted that way he traded that way um or you know signed that way in the offseason in terms of free agents uh they took Datsuk's contract really helped Detroit out um by by taking that but yeah Jamie McGinn's great I loved him in, in Anaheim I loved him in Colorado um they're certainly headed in the right direction and the future is looking real, real bright in the desert. So yeah, I'm good with that too, man. I really am. I mean, one thing you didn't like one thing you just hated or one team, something, what did you not like? Okay. Um, I don't like necessarily that St. Louis got worse at a time that they should be, you know, taking a couple of steps towards the Stanley Cup. Like, I think St. Louis is a team that is built to win a Stanley Cup. Um, they traded away their starting goaltender. They lost Troy Brower. Um, they're going to lose Kevin Shattenkirk in some capacity at some time if the right trade comes along. I mean, they've got good pieces coming up. Don't get me wrong. I love Robbie Fabry. I really do. And I, I'm happy that Perron's there. Uh, but I'm not sure that losing those two pieces in particular on and off the ice are real beneficial to them getting this done now and that they need to get it done now no no so i'm not crazy about that nope you've lost brower you've lost backus you've lost steve Ott. you lost your oh, leadership yeah, in the david backus good lord yeah david backus so well, yeah we don't, we don't need to get into that but just they've, they've <laughs> lost a lot they've lost a lot yeah. it's not good it's no. not good I'll tell you a team that I don't like, and that's the Sharks. And don't don't peg me for a, a, a Michael Bodker hater because I don't think $4 million a year for him is that egregious. I remember when I texted you those details, you were like, oh, God. I, I, it's four years, $4 million. It's okay, but uh, at a time where you could lose Thornton and Marlowe semi-soon, I, I think your money could have been better spent. That's just my opinion. Um, he's fast, and I what I, what I think they're trying to do is because they got they got their ass whooped by the Penguins and their speed, correct? And their young kids with speed, they got their ass whooped, and they sign they get rid of Roman Polak, they don't retain him, they lose James Reimer, they pick up David Schlemko on D, who had a very underrated season with New Jersey, who's dog shit last year, by the way. It's an okay signing; he's getting two million a year. It's fine. No, I like Schlemko. And it's a fine yeah. signing, but all you did was replace mm-hmm. Polak with Schlemko, which isn't like a giant upgrade. Um, you signed Mikel Bodker. I really thought the Sharks... The, the, the Sharks were rumored to be like the mystery team in on Stamkos. So I'm really disappointed by the Sharks not doing anything because clearly they got their ass whooped in the final by speed, which means they need to make some changes, and they just didn't. They lost a premier backup goalie who happens to be a good starter. James Reimer had some of the best starting numbers in the year last year, or in the league last year. So you lost a good starting goalie. That was your backup. 
you don't add much on offense, and you're throwing four million at, at Bodker. I don't. I'm not impressed. No, it's a little disappointing, and you know we never recorded any uh, any reaction, any real time reaction to the to the postseason beyond the first round, which is disappointing. But that's the way it went. Uh, and you know, round of applause for uh, Pittsburgh getting it done. Really didn't think that was going to happen midway through the year. Um, but they did, and I, I think when we start talking Penguins, you know, when, when we start talking about all these teams, we'll get into how they did it, but it's no secret, yeah, speed and, and getting the puck out of their own zone was the formula, and also, you know, lining up against the the Polak and, and Dylan line, um, and yeah, I mean, Bodker's an upgrade on speed, team is devoid of speed, Thornton and Marlowe can't move like they used to, uh, so yeah, it's it is disappointing. You want to see that team really, really go for it because they probably, beyond anyone else, that's a real serious contender. Having gotten to the Cup Finals, um, they're a team that has to because we've been talking for a long time about their window closing, and it is closing very quickly. It might be closed. It it might be closed. It might be that they just lucked out and got that far. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you can add a, a a few pieces to get you there. You better do it now because yeah, Thornton and Marlowe are, are gonzo real quick. They're, they can't play forever. They're not Yarmir Yager. Although Joe Thornton's right up there. Joe um, Thornton, Joe Thornton could be the way he passes. The yeah, puck. he, 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 he could be. I mean, he's, he's 82 points. In his not Marlowe. Not Marlo. The guy's ridiculous. Yeah. Marlowe. And it's sad. You know, you want to see if, if they're going to lift a cup, Everyone's rooting for Thornton. I mean, you should be rooting for Marlowe too. He's been he's been there longer than Joe Thornton, and he deserves one every bit as much. But uh, he's not moving the needle like Joe Thornton is, and you know the team the team doesn't really benefit tremendously from just signing Bodker. So you know you got to hope that a, a move is in the works. But uh, yeah, not not the most impressive off season. In fact, from the whole state of California, I would say. You know, Anaheim, San Jose, and L.A. all being kind of frozen and, you know, drawing from the well or, you know, taking the the leftovers. Um, Not that any one of those three teams is a bad team, but in general, they they didn't really make a tremendous amount of progress. No. Um Seeing as we're both unapologetic Red Wings fans, uh, the Red Wings made a giant series of moves. They kept Drew Miller, small contract, great penalty killer. They re-signed Alexei Marchenko, two years. They needed to do that. And to kick off free agency, I was really disappointed that they signed Darren Helm to a a five-year deal worth almost $4 million a year. I think that's awful. That's just my opinion. Awful. I was hoping Vancouver would take him. And we would get the cap space because we've got centers. We don't need them. And at the end of the season, all he did was bitch about his playing time. Like I saw a giant article. He was trashing Jeff Blashill pretty much. I don't, you know, get him out of here. I don't need to pay him $4 million. For what? To be hurt all the time? He plays half a season every year. Um, we scooped up Franz Nielsen six years, 5.2 cap hit. Great cap hit number for Nielsen. Very underrated player. I think almost any player in the league would tell you how underrated he is. Great player. But he is 32. That deal carries him to 38 years old. But the fact that he's never hurt and he's a very smart player, he probably could play till he's 38 and be worth that money as the cap rises. Totally fine. Signed Steve Ott to a one-year 800, 800K cap hit, and I like Steve Ott. He had a double hamstring, hamstring injury last year, colitis. But I do like how fiery he is. He's a good locker room guy, great leader. And with Datsuk leaving, we need more of that. So I'm okay with that. There's no problem there. And he was scratched a lot of games during the – not a lot, but he was scratched during the season for St. Louis. You know, he can be what Dan Cleary was to us, you know, a couple of years ago. You know, and that's fine. There's no money wasted there. Seeing as we struck out on Stamkos, Holland decided to give Thomas Vanek $2.6 million a year, and it, it pained me to say that's why I hesitated. Uh, I really hope – that his agent's right when he says that he's a, a motivated hockey player because, I don't know, past six years he doesn't play like a motivated hockey player. So, 
I hope I hope that comes true. I mean, I get it. And I, and and Holland said he wants the kids to compete for jobs. He doesn't want to just give them to them. And I get that. That's totally well and good because that's never been the Red Wings mantra. We don't just give kids jobs. We don't. We never have. So I get adding Ott, adding Vanek, adding Nielsen. You you just brought in a whole line. That's like that's a quarter of your forward lineup that you just brought in, and now the kids got to duke it out. And that's great. That's totally fine. I'm on board. We need to sign a defenseman. Still a lot of guys out there. I know I've just been talking for a while, but what are your thoughts on on, on what the Red Wings are doing? Mm, and as far as likes and dislikes, um, really like Franz Nielsen. I think the fact that Holland was able to move Datsuk's contract was a stroke of genius, really. Um, of course, we had to find a, a suitor for it, but the, the, the price wasn't too heavy. Uh, we lost out on drafting a defenseman there in that spot, but that's okay if it means that we're able to free up that cap space and apply it. And I think the application in an investment in Franz Nielsen was worth it because although he's not super young, he is super talented. And the biggest thing with Franz Nielsen is that he comes in and he can fill that defensive prowess that, that, or poise that Pavel Datsuk played with. And, I mean, maybe not entirely replace it. Pavel Datsuk's a special player, but Franz Nielsen is really, really strong defensively. And we saw down the stretch when paired with creative offensive players like John Tavares and Kyle Ocposo, uh he can put up a lot of points as well. He had a career year last year. So I'm really happy to see Detroit get Franz Nielsen even at that number, even on that term, it's all well and good with me. Uh, yep. You know, I'm not – I don't like Helm. I mean, I do like Helm, but I don't like him anymore in that situation. And not over five years and not at almost $4 million. If it was, if it's it was a, a five-year deal for like $2 million a year, okay, but not four. Well, if they didn't have Glenn Denning and Shahan and Zetterberg and Larson and, you know, all these guys that can play down the middle and play defensive roles um, – then fine, but that's not the case in Detroit. You know, they, they need goal scoring and they need defense. Um, they haven't done anything defensively as far as the blue line's concerned. I'd have rather that's given a, that 3.8 to Ham Hughes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd rather have given that to Ham Hughes and then Vanek's money over to uh, Brian Campbell, if at all possible. But, um, you know, Vanek... We need goal scoring. Vanek is not a motivated hockey player. He doesn't play um, defensive hockey at all. He doesn't even bring it in terms of points. And the only reason he did in Minnesota is because they had nothing else. So, no, I'm not excited about Vanek at all. And I, I don't have any aspirations of him doing anything in Detroit because I really don't even think he's got the skill guys to drive the play. Um you know, Zetterberg's great, but he's not there all year and most years anymore, just like Datsuk. Um, love Larkin, but we haven't seen him down the middle enough. And I'm not I, sure. He, I don't if, think he'll be playing down the middle. No, I don't think so either. But, you know, beyond those two guys, in terms of raw offensive skill, you know, Nyquist is a little lackadaisical. Tatar's great, but he shoots. So I think Vanek needs someone to do everything for him and yeah that's that's one of my stronger dislikes you know of course we'd like to see it work out if you're a fan of any team that makes a signing you always want it to work out but we've seen a lot of a lot of Detroit's decisions in signing through free agency not pan out and even with players that should you know like Mike Badano should have worked out um Daniel Alfredson should have worked out a little bit better it wasn't a travesty or a complete disappointment but you know Thomas Vanek doesn't do anything for me um I think it was just you know them taking a stab and just trying to get something on the roster but hopefully Blashill's smarter than that and he gives the ice time to you know some of the younger players like Athanasiu um and Mantha and everything's fine but I guess we'll just have to see yeah I guess that makes Ken Holland Captain Stabbing <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, what do you, what how do you, how do you feel about Steve Ott? Oh, I love Steve Ott. I love him. I you know even if he plays thirty games, 
throughout the regular season. That's it's fine. No risk. It's no risk. It's 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 nothing. You can waive it. You can trade it. You can buy it out, or you can put them on the ice and you know and and just let it happen. I mean, Detroit's not a very tough team, and Pittsburgh kind of proved that toughness doesn't really count for a whole lot anymore, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, if you can plug them in from time to time, or at least keep them around the team, then uh, then it's fine. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy with Steve. I, I was sad to see us, you know, give up on Jordan Tutu. He's a tough guy. Um, I loved having Brad May on the team. I loved having Dallas Drake on the team. Um, McCarty. So yeah, Steve Ott's one of those guys that I would welcome into my, my organization, regardless of your situation. You know, Pittsburgh could have benefited from having him even if they didn't play him, which I looking at their fourth line, I don't think they would have. But, you know, we saw David Backes speak of him the way that he did there at the end of the year, and you could tell, you know, Steve Ott made a difference. So, yeah, I'm good with that. All right, well, there's a lot of stuff we didn't touch on, teams we didn't touch on, you know, uh, we do plan on, getting back on the horse here and riding it out. Um, it's going to be a lot of time, a lot of lulls. It's going to be a long summer. So we will hit you back with a lot more talk, a lot more in-depth talk going team by team. Perhaps maybe if we don't find the time, maybe division by division, who knows? Um, just way too much happened the past week. We had to, we had to jump back in here after our, our uh, hiatus and uh, get our thoughts out there. So, um, well, I'm glad we did. You know, the, the whole reason we started when we did, we talked about it then, was to, you know, kind of practice this. You know, we've never done this before. Yep. We've always talked about it. But um, the goal was to start right before the playoffs, carry it through. Playoffs are exciting and extremely busy. And, you know, when you're not used to podcasting, um, to get on and talk playoffs and try to cover all the, the things that are going on is hard in itself. But, you know, personal life matters are, are more important than hockey. Um, yep. But the goal was to do that and then be one of the very few podcasts that actually carries you through the summer. And that's probably more important than, you know, staying on top of the postseason because everybody's immersed in hockey and everybody's talking playoff hockey. Um, you know, I, I think we had a lot to add to it. But if we can keep things going, man, through the summer um, and be consistent and, you know, just just talk about what we love to talk about and, and keep posting it up, I think we'll generate some traffic and we'll get some, some loyal listeners. And by the time the season starts next year, we'll be well-versed and ready to go. So I'm glad we, I'm glad we got back on here and, and decided to, to keep it going. Absolutely, man. Until next time, everybody. 